The following is a message by Glenn Blakeney of Awake Nations. We trust that this teaching will both challenge and encourage you to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Awake Nations with Glenn Blakeney is taking the gospel of the kingdom around the globe by means of our miracle crusades and training seminars, as well as our teaching resources. For more information regarding Awake Nations and Glenn Blakeney, please visit us online at www.awakenations.org. 18, I want to speak with you tonight on what I call the God that answers by fire. The God that answers by fire. Starting at verse 21, we're going to be reading. I just follow along as I read. You know the backdrop here. What has happened is for three years the nation has been famine-stricken. There's been a drought, and now God has spoken the word that he's about to send rain. So it's really showdown at the OK Corral because God instructs the prophet to gather together the people with the false prophets, the false prophets of Baal and so on. And God is about to demonstrate his power and prove his authority to the people. And so Elijah summons the people, and in verse 21 we read that Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods, lowercase g, and I will call him the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by what? Fire. He is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Please go down to verse number 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I've done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Hallelujah. I'm going to speak with you tonight on the topic of the God that answers by fire. Now, Jesus told us that when, he, literally, John the Baptist said that when Jesus comes, when the Messiah showed up the first time on the earth, that He would baptize His followers with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, we know that John's baptism was a baptism and water unto repentance, but Jesus' baptism was something completely different. It was a baptism and immersion in the person of the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, the initial fulfillment of this experience, of this prophecy that John spoke about, happened on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, it, Scripture says that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one accord, and suddenly there came a sound like that of a rushing mighty wind. I love one translation that says, 
there came a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. So in other words, this is not a cool ocean breeze, but this is more like an F4 tornado. This is a violent, mighty wind. And notice, it is not a natural wind, it is a supernatural wind. A wind that came from heaven filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. Fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. And then the Bible says in verse 4 that all of them were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance or as the Spirit enabled them. Now this is the occasion that we, we as Pentecostals look back to in which we say that we received, the world received, the church received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. But please understand that Jesus also spoke about a baptism with fire. Now don't get, get scared. I'm not preaching to you some strange doctrine now. The baptism of the Holy Spirit and the baptism with fire are one and the same thing. But please notice that it is a baptism with fire. Now in the natural, fire is a potent force capable of, of wrecking enormous destruction. James said, see how great a forest a little fire kindles. But when controlled, fire is of great benefit to humankind. For example, fire produces power. Fire generates heat. Fire also generates light. Fire is capable of purifying metals, giving us precious metals, consuming dross and alloys. Now, each of these characteristics that I've just mentioned about fire has a corresponding spiritual fulfillment that reflects a characteristic of the present-day ministry of the Holy Spirit in our world. The Holy Spirit comes to baptize us with fire. Now, here's the one thing that I know about fire. When you come in contact with it, you are aware. You cannot be oblivious to the existence of fire. Fire, when you are near it, you become very conscious of its existence. So he came to baptize us with fire. Now, the first characteristic is that fire produces power. We know that in the natural internal combustion engines run off of the power of fire. Jesus said, prior to his ascension, he literally called his disciples together and he said that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, into all Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, he said that we would receive power, dunamis. This is divine ability. This is supernatural power. In one place, the word, it's literally translated mighty works. You'll be able to do supernatural miracles. This is the power of God. Now, there are many of us... And I believe that the initial physical evidence of being baptized with the Holy Ghost is speaking in other tongues. But please understand that God wants it to go much further than that. He didn't say you will speak with tongues when you receive the baptism with the Holy Ghost, even though that is certainly true. But he said you will receive power. Power for what purpose? Power to be a witness. A witness of whom? Of Jesus that we would be a witness of Jesus Christ. You see, it's not our, it's not our eloquence. It's not our education or our expertise that is going to convince the multitudes of their need of Christ today. 
but it's a manifestation and a demonstration of the power of the kingdom of God on the earth that is going to bring people into the kingdom, that are going to convince people of their need for salvation. The Bible says in Acts 4.33 of the early church, and with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were in their in their time the sight literally the, the blind literally received their sight the the deaf their hearing the crippled walked oh hallelujah and so it is to be today how many believe that tonight so it is to be today these signs shall follow them that believe do we have any believers in the house come on these signs shall follow them that believe he speaks about healing the sick and so on the, he said the works that I do shall you do and even what greater works John 14:12 if you read that verse in its context you will see clearly that he is speaking about the miraculous demonstration of the power of the kingdom of God on the earth now i have had the privilege of traveling to many places this is all i do this i do not pastor a church i travel and i want to tell you that i have seen the power of god even in recent months increase here in the united states for example, just two weeks ago, I was ministering here in Florida, and a woman came forward for prayer for healing in response to a word of knowledge. We laid hands on her, and she fell under the power of the Holy Spirit. She was out for several minutes. When she got up, she began to run around the sanctuary, crying out, I mean, just rejoicing and celebrating. When we finally were able to, you know, to slow her down and ask her what had happened, she said, I want you to understand. See, when she went down under the power, she laid on her back, and her legs were stretched out straight. She said, I want to tell you that tonight was the first night in over 50 years that I was able to lie on my back and stretch my feet out, stretch my legs out. For over 50 years, she, when she laid in bed or whatever, she had to keep her legs and her knees literally, literally turned in because she couldn't lay flat on her back. Over 50 years she had been in that condition as a result of an accident when she was a child and God supernaturally healed her. Just back in January of this year, we were ministering again here in the state of Florida. I was at a church and the pastor... Uh, I didn't know about this pastor invited me to come in and do a, a revival and we had an emphasis on healing. And what happened was after we were there for a couple of days, his wife came to us and said, I'm, I have cancer, I'm undergoing chemo treatments right now. And as I, she said, I would like you to pray for me. And as we ministered to her, I felt very strongly that the Holy Spirit said, rebuke the spirit of death. Now, at that time, I did not understand exactly what that was. But then afterwards, she said to me, I have three sisters, and all, all three of my sisters died of cancer. She told her husband that she was going to die. And her husband believed that she was going to die. We prayed for her that night. And I want to tell you, there was nothing dramatic that happened at that, at that instance. But the next day, she began to feel stronger in her body. In fact, she hadn't eaten for eight days. But the next day, she began to eat. That was in January. They have run all the tests. They have done every possible test, in, including bone marrow tests. And there is not a trace of cancer in her body. Hallelujah. In fact, let me tell you something. The next day, after we prayed for her and cursed the spirit of death, she said, she made a decision that she was no longer going to, going to receive any type of treatment for her cancer. So she had two chemo treatments. That was it. 
and we, she had all, she's had gone, gone all the testing possible. There is not a trace of cancer in her body. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. As I travel to the nations preaching the gospel of the kingdom, I am convinced more than ever that it is the powerful demonstration of the gospel that is going to change nations. It's not just the word of God in declaration, but the word of God in power and demonstration. Because the kingdom of God is not in word, Paul said, not in logos, not in the written word, but in power, in dunamis power, in might that changes lives. I mentioned earlier about my trip to Jamaica. One of my trips to Jamaica, I was in Port Moore. And just out, you all know where that is, just outside of Spanish town. And we were ministering there in St. Catherine and in Port Moore. And uh, the first night, God was, was doing things. I mean, everybody was checking out, who is this white man from Canada, man, you know? But, and you back, and then after that, what happened was, the second night, God started healing people. A lady who had, a, an, had been in a car accident, a car wreck, and her arm had been hurt, was instantly healed. The next night, a young woman who had sickle cell, so badly that this young woman could not walk. Her legs were twisted behind her. Two of, of, the, of the sisters carried her forward. This was in a tent crusade. They carried her forward, and we laid hands on her and said, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, behold! I'm telling you, her legs went like this, pop. They straightened right out in front of everybody, and she began to dance across the platform. She was completely and instantaneously healed. Now, the next day, Pastor and I are downtown Kingston, right around halfway tree, you know. <laughs> halfway tree. And we're down there. And his cell phone rings. And somebody says, Pastor, you're going to have to prepare. The tent's not big enough. People have heard about the miracle of the crippled woman with sickle cell being healed. And they're going to bring out people from all over. Pastor, you're going to have to do something. So, Pastor calls up, you know, the, the man. And he says, come on, you gotta, you got to lengthen the cords and strengthen the stakes. We, get, we need a bigger tent. That night, God is my witness, even before the crusade started. And you know Jamaican time, right? The crusade starts at 7, that means 8 o'clock, right? <laughs> but even before 7 o'clock, people started showing up in, in the bus from the hospitals. They started going into the hospitals and bringing sick people out of the hospital. They brought a young man who couldn't walk. He was, he was probably about 15, 16 years of age. We prayed for him, gathered around him, laid hands on him, prayed for him. God instantly healed him, began to walk. Now, he didn't even go into the crusade. He went and played basketball all night. If I was God, I would have struck him. But I'm telling you, the last night of the crusade, so many people came. I mean, they came out of the woodwork. People gathered from all over, and the power of God was so strong, the anointing and the presence and glory of the Lord was so so prominent that it resulted in a huge harvest of souls. 
many, many people were saved because of the testimony of those that had been healed. You see, the writer to the Hebrew states that signs and wonders are God's way of testifying to the veracity of the message of the cross. Hebrews 2 verse 4 says that God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His will. Come on now. Can you imagine God bearing witness? God, one translation says, testifying. God testifying. What if we had a testimony service one night and we just allowed God to testify? Woo! Come on. The Lord would do great things. Oh, hallelujah. It says over in Luke chapter 8, verse 1, that Jesus went around every city and village. It says, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. The King James says, preaching and shewing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. He didn't just preach the kingdom, but he demonstrated the kingdom. Remember John the Baptist is in prison. He's been arrested. He's doubting whether Jesus is truly the coming one. And, and what happens is he sends messengers to Christ saying, Are you the coming one or should we expect someone else? What did Jesus say? Tell John. Go and tell John the things which you both see and hear. And then he spoke about the deaf receiving their, 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 their hearing, the blind seeing, and so on. Listen, he says the things that you see and hear. I call it the show and tell gospel. Over in Acts chapter 8 verse 6, Philip is preaching to the multitudes. And the scripture says that the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip. Why did they listen to him? Because of hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Oh, hallelujah. Many today would not be convinced of the truth of the gospel without experiencing an encounter with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, church, we need to, we need to contend for the power of the Holy Spirit. We need, to, we, need to, we need to nurture, we need to value the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Not just in our churches, not just in our gatherings, but in our lives. So no matter where we go, the shopping mall, we're on the streets, we're in school, we're at work that the Holy Spirit can demonstrate and manifest Himself to us. Oh, hallelujah. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost in power, you have fire and you have a power that comes from heaven. A power that is greater than all the powers of the enemy. A power more powerful than any sickness, any disease, any demon. Praise be to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Fire also produces light. As a spiritual metaphor, light speaks of revelation, knowledge, spiritual insight. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Now, can I be honest with you tonight? Is that all right? All right. You know what the job of the preacher is, right? To comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. All right. I want to tell you that I believe that the Holy Spirit is being quenched in modern-day Christianity in America today more than ever before. In, in, a, in a move to become more culturally relevant, 
we become quote unquote seeker sensitive and in essence what we have done in many of our churches is we have shut out the Holy Spirit from participating in our gatherings. And when you look at Revelation chapter 3, verse number 20 there, and you see that Jesus is standing on the door knocking, asking to come in, please do not think that has anything to do with the sinner, because that has nothing to do with the sinner. That was a church. That was the church of Laodicea that had become lukewarm. In other words, they were having church, and the founder of their faith was not attending the service. Understand that we, today, even though we, we certainly can, and can adapt to the culture to a certain degree in terms of our methodology, we still must recognize and understand that the message and the messenger must be full of the Holy Spirit and truth. We must minister with the power of the Holy Spirit. For example, I was ministering in a large church not too long ago. If I were to tell you the church, you guys would probably know it. And uh, I had just come off of a fast. I was preaching in the evening, and as I was ministering, I looked down in the congregation, and there right near the front, I saw a woman. And the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, Glenn, that woman is demonized, and tonight I'm going to set her free. I said, Yes, Father. I'm willing and obedient, and I will do whatever you want me to do. I, I finished my word. I gave the invitation. Sure enough, she was the first person to come forward for prayer. She came forward, and, and you know you got to be on the money when you say stuff like this. I said, ma'am, I want to say something to you. I don't want you to get offended. I want you to please hear me out. But I believe the Holy Spirit told me that I'm to pray for you tonight to be delivered from demonic activity in your life. She looked at me, and she said... That's true. I looked at her, I placed my hand upon her, and I said, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, come out! The demons came out of her with a shriek. She fell under the power of the Holy Spirit. She was gloriously set free. Now let me tell you something. That big whoop, that's normal. That's the stuff that God wants to do in us and through us. But the part that deeply troubled me is what happened afterward. When the service was over pastor called me into his office. In fact, he sent, he sent some of his, his ushers and elders to go and get me. I thought, oh no, I'm in trouble. Hopefully that wasn't the pastor's wife. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but I, I literally, I literally said, oh no, what did I do? Listen, pastor, I went into pastor's office and some of the elders and the other pastoral staff were gathered there and he said, Glenn, we need, we need to talk to you about what happened tonight. And I gulped, and I said, okay, go ahead. They said, that woman that you minister to, that woman that the Lord delivered tonight, well, we need to repent before God as leaders in this church. And I said, why is that? They said, because that woman, we considered her a prophetess. You see, this woman began coming to that church several years ago, and she began to approach the pastor and the other leaders and would supernaturally reveal specific details, things that she could not have learned in the natural. And she would say, God says this, this, and this. After a while, they became convinced that she was a prophetess and that she was ministering in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But it was not the Holy Spirit, it was an unclean spirit. 
Now, over in Acts chapter 16, we read an account where Paul and Silas are traveling around ministering the gospel, and a woman there, literally a slave girl who has a spirit of divination, in other words, she's a psychic, she's a fortune teller, they, she's following Paul and Silas around. Now, listen to what she says. She says, and this is my paraphrase, these men are servants of the Most High God. They are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Listen to them. Now, is there anything wrong with that? It was 100% true. They were God's servants. They were proclaiming the way of salvation. And it is good that people listen to them. But Paul became agitated in his spirit. Paul recognized that something was wrong. And through the discerning of spirits, through the revelation of the Holy Ghost... Paul detected an unclean spirit or a demon at work. We know that the devil would love to deceive us. And then eventually after we believe that something is of God, uh, you know when he begins to pervert it, he begins to twist it, he begins to, to reveal his true colors. But you see... The purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit today to be baptized with fire is to have revelation, wisdom, and knowledge. Do you understand that the devil is incredibly subtle today? Jesus said that in the last days Satan's trickery would become so widespread that even the elect would be deceived if that were possible. In fact, Paul said that he literally admonished the church at Corinth and he said that the devil had placed among them those that posed as ministers of Christ, but in reality they were agents of Satan. 2 Corinthians 11.15 Paul was saying, you have those who are ministering in your pulpits who are agents of Satan. That's strong. That's strong. But Paul would not mince his words. Paul spoke very clearly that this was what was happening. Now, I want you to understand that it's not just enough to say, well, I was filled with the Holy Spirit 20 years ago. I was baptized with the Holy Ghost 20 years ago. I received the Holy Ghost. No, no, no. The Bible says walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Start to become a Pentecostal pedestrian. Walk in the Spirit. Come on. Learn how to hear the voice of God. Learn how to move in the anointing. Learn how to see the manifestation of all the gifts of the Spirit in your life. Not just tongues. Not just interpretation. But let prophecy begin to manifest. Let the discerning of spirits become a reality in your life. The word of wisdom. The word of knowledge. The gifts of healings. Power. The working of miracles. The gift of faith. Let it all begin to operate in your life because that is what God wants you to experience when you receive the Holy Ghost in power. The Holy Ghost will lead you into all truth. John 16, verse 13. All truth. He will expose what is of the devil in our midst. He will show us what is of God, what is of the flesh, and what has its origins even in the demonic? If we learn to walk in the Spirit. You see, the psalmist teaches us that the prerequisite of acquiring acute discernment is obedience 
to God. Psalm 111, verse 10. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments. One translation says, discernment have all those who obey His commandments. You see, every promise of God is predicated and is contingent upon our obedience. We must be obedient. We must learn to walk in the Spirit. The third characteristic of fire is that fire produces heat. Heat. Heat speaks of passion. The Holy Spirit is quenched when the work of God and the worship of God is done just as a ritual, in a half-hearted manner. Jesus said, These people draw near to me with their lips, their mouths, but their hearts are far from me. God knows our hearts. The Scripture says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Now, in the beginning of Christ's ministry on the earth, we know that He went into the temple and He began to uh, turn the... He began to kick the tables over. I mean, come on, do you think about that? What He did... One, one of the gospel accounts says he sat down and before he went in, he made a whip. That was premeditated. He knew what he was going in to do. And he was going to do it with a whip in his hand. He was going to go in and he was going to cleanse the temple. And he was going to drive out the money changers. Now, the disciples looked at him, and you know what? I mean, I can imagine them shaking their head going, Dude, you are extreme. I mean, you, you are hardcore. Later on, the Scripture tells us in John's Gospel that they remembered that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Zeal. Zeal literally is a word that means white-hot Passion for God. Passion for His approval. Not the accolades of men. Not receiving the praise of men. Not thinking what others say about us. But really being concerned about being a God pleaser and not a man pleaser. And if we're going to really be like Jesus, we're going to have to learn. We're going to have to move into that place of burning with the zeal of God again. Oh, hallelujah. You know, some of us, our Christianity has kind of become like a bath, you know. After a while, the bath's not so hot, right? And, and that's what many of us, our Christianity has become like. It's cooled down. It's cooled off. You know, we begin to, we begin to compromise. We begin to tolerate and, uh, things of the world. And, and, you know, people that and when you do stand for God and they say, oh, you're so extreme, you know. You're, you're, you know but, but Jesus wants you to burn with zeal. Zeal for His name. Zeal for His glory. Zeal for righteousness. You know, if we're really going to be like our Lord, not only do we have to have a passion for God, hatred for sin, a love for righteousness, but we also have to have compassion for our fellow men. You know, Jesus, when He saw the multitudes, the Bible says He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. I was reading a, a scripture recently, reveals the heart of the Apostle Paul. It's found in Romans chapter 9, the first three verses. Paul says, I tell the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. 
Do you want to know what he was saying? Let me read it to you from a paraphrase called the Living Bible. The Living Bible renders Paul's words this way. O Israel, my people, O my Jewish brothers, how I long for you to come to Christ. My heart is heavy within me and I grieve bitterly day and night because of you. Christ knows and the Holy Spirit knows that it is no mere pretense when I say that I would be willing to be forever damned if that would save you. Christ knows and the Holy Spirit knows I'm not being pretentious when I say that I would be willing to be forever damned to go to hell forever if it would result in your salvation. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you wept for a soul? When was the last time you wept for someone's soul? When was the last time you were moved with compassion? Paul has such compassion for a people that hate him. A people that want, would love to see him wiped off the face of the map. How can we have such compassion? Well, in the natural, we are incapable of it. But Romans 5 verse 5 says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It is the love of God. The love of God for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son even to those whom He knew would spit upon Him and reject Him and mock His Son. He still gave. This is the love of God that you and I can experience when the Holy Spirit has been shed abroad in our hearts. Lastly, the final characteristic of the Holy Spirit and of fire is that fire, as I said, is capable of purifying metal. Now, there's a prophecy in the Old Testament that speaks of the coming of Christ and the righteousness that He would produce in the people. It's found in Malachi chapter 3, verse 3, and here's what it says. It says that He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will come as a refiner and a purifier of of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi, and he will purge them as gold and silver. Oh, hallelujah. That they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Here's, here's what he's saying. He's saying that the work of the Holy Spirit is to purify you. Because he's the Holy Spirit. He's the Spirit that makes us holy. Now, the holiness, you know, sometimes we get scared of that word today, don't we? But you know what? Holiness is simply this. Holiness is purity of heart. How do I know that? Because you know over in Hebrews chapter 12 it says, in verse number 14 I believe it is, that without holiness no man shall, come on church of God people, you know this one, shall see the Lord. But, Matthew 5 verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So holiness and purity of heart are the same thing. You see, you can look good outwardly like the Pharisees and your heart can be corrupt. You know, I, dare I say it, I've even seen some people that have just recently gotten saved and you know what, they have pure hearts even though they may not dress the most decently. That will change in time. That will change in time. It should change in time. It will change in time if you listen to the Holy Ghost. 
But understand, it's the heart that God's looking at. When I got saved, Pastor, I had hair down to here, I, you know, all that stuff. And, and I was an old heavy metal guitar player when I got saved. And the first thing that happened when I walked into church was uh, I was told, Dude, cut your hair. I'm telling you what, I mean, I had a couple of guys that they had to peel them off the wall when I was done. I got so angry. First time I'd come to church in years, and they tell me to cut my hair. Use the stuff that came out of my mouth, Pastor. Oh, my God. I still get mad over it, man. Sanctification, kick in, come on. You see, there is a purification of the Holy Spirit. You see, he says he will be as a refiner and a purifier of silver. What's that mean? Well, the ancient refiner, the silversmith, would place a precious metal in an iron pot that would be directly situated over fire. He would stoke the fire until it burned with the ferocious heat, and eventually, you know, that the gold or the silver would begin to liquefy. It would melt. And what would happen is after a period of time, the, the purifier would come, and he would look into the pot, and he would examine uh, the liquefied precious metal, and, and he would say, well, I'm not sure if it's ready yet or not. I don't think so. And he'd turn up the heat even more. You know, Romans 8, 28, we love that verse. It says that we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to His purpose. But let me tell you, that's not what Paul was saying. The next verse, verse 29, fulfills what he was trying to communicate. And that is, for those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. How do all things work together for good in our lives? Even those difficult trials and testings that we go through? Because they work together for good, not necessarily in us getting a promotion, not necessarily in us getting another car, but in us becoming conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. You see, that's the purpose of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power to be witnesses. We, the Greek word, we get our English word martyr from. In other words, to, to die to self, to live. For Christ to be dead to sin, to be a walking dead man, a witness to the resurrection power of Jesus, that it is no longer I that lives. It's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. And our world has seen churchianity, and our world has seen religiosity, but our world needs to see Jesus Christ, the hope of glory, living in his people, and that's what's going to save them. You turn the heat up. You ever feel like, I can't take this anymore? God, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, sometimes we're rebuking the devil and it's God. And I want to tell you, God don't rebuke very easily. And we're saying, God, what are you doing? I can't handle this anymore. You, you told me you'd never give me more than I can handle. You, you wouldn't put that type of burden upon me. And then he turns up the heat even more. Because, he says, I'm out for one purpose, to purify you. I'm looking for many sons. I'm looking to be the firstborn among many brethren that are conformed to my likeness and my image. 
So after a period of time, the refiner approaches the pot and he takes an instrument kind of like a skimmer and he, he skims off all the alloy and the, the impurity that had floated to the top. He says, well, I think it's ready. But there's one final test. How do I know? How, do, how did he know if the gold had been duly purified? When he looked into the pot and he saw his reflection, his image shining back at him, that was what indicated whether the gold had been duly purified. When Jesus looks into you and me, when he looks into our hearts and our lives, and when he sees the image of himself, when he sees a people that now manifest the fruit of the Spirit and not the works of the flesh, then he says the purification process is finished. Now, I am not saying that we don't have, you know, need to be purified even more, but I am saying that there is a place of being conformed to the image of Jesus while we're even here on the earth. Now, I told you that this message was about the God that answers by fire. Listen, what is it that's going to bring people to Jesus today? We have the power. We have the only founder of, of a religion that attends every service. We are the ones whose, whose founder is alive. I was ministering in the south side of, uh, the south side of Chicago. I don't know what that means. The south side of Chicago recently. And uh, in the evening service, the last night of the crusade that we did, a young woman came forward. She was a Muslim, African-American woman. How do I know that she was a Muslim? Because her last name was Muhammad. They told me they were from a Muslim family. Her sister had just recently gotten saved. She came forward that night and she said, I feel something in this place that I've never felt in my life before. And she said, and I don't know exactly what it is. And I walked over to her. God is my witness. I didn't touch her. I didn't lay a hand on her. I was about five or six feet away from this young woman. And she went, oh, and she went, Poof! and she fell under the power of the Holy Spirit. Pastor, she was out for 45 minutes. She had a vision of Jesus. She got up and she said, Oh my God. Oh my God. And she began to tremble. And she began to shake. And after, I said to her, Let me pray for you again. And, and, and actually, I hadn't even prayed for her. And I put my hand on her. And she began to speak with other tongues. <laughs> she hadn't said the sinner's prayer. <laughs> she hadn't invited Jesus into her heart. <laughs> But Jesus had received her into his arms. Oh, hallelujah. And filled her with the Holy Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. We have the message. We have the God that answers by fire. His name is Jesus. And he is alive. And he sits at the right hand of his Father, ruling and reigning and executing justice from his throne. And he has sent his Spirit into the world and his spirit dwells in each and every one of us and that same Holy Spirit that dwells in us is the spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead hallelujah I close with this story I have a friend 
He's from Singapore. And I occasionally minister over there. And he, uh, he was ministering in Indonesia. And Indonesia is a predominantly Muslim country. And one time while he was ministering over in an area that was vast majority of the people were, were Muslims, he was threatened. One of the local authorities said, don't tell him to stop preaching the gospel. If he doesn't, we're going to arrest him and, and so on and so forth. Pastor William began to, you know, began to question the wisdom in, in stopping and he was conferred with some of the local pastors there and they told him, look, we, we want you to stop preaching. It's not good if you go to jail. It's not good if you're arrested. So Pastor William, he literally ceased. He desisted from preaching. He got back on a plane, flew to his home in Singapore. A few nights after this event, he was praying. He was alone with the Lord. He began to become very troubled in his spirit. He said, Lord, I just don't like what happened. It's like the enemy won. The enemy, he literally became victorious in this situation. And, and Father, I, I just don't think this is right. Why did this happen? The next thing he heard was, go back to Indonesia and tell that man that Jesus Christ is Lord of Indonesia. He said, Lord, is that what you really want me to do? Is that what I'm really hearing in my spirit? And he heard the same thing again. He went, got back on a plane, flew to Indonesia, found out where this man's office was, went to visit him and said, My name is Pastor William. I'm from Singapore. The other night you told me that I'm no longer to preach about Jesus Christ here, but after I was home, Jesus spoke to me and he said that he will be Lord of Indonesia. This man looked at him and he was, I mean, he was ticked. He was incensed. He said, Who do you think you are coming here and telling me that? I could have you arrested. I could have you beaten. At that point, Pastor Williams said, well, God, what do I do? What do I say? And he heard the Holy Spirit say to him, ask him if he has a kidney condition. He said to him, do you have a problem with your kidneys? Do you have like a disease or in your kidneys that you need healed? And the man looked at him and he goes, yes, I do. How did you know that? He said, because Jesus just told me, the Holy Spirit just told me. And Pastor William waxed even bolder and he said, Here, I'm, I'm about to make a deal with you. If my Jesus heals you of this disease right now, I want you to become a Christian, to denounce Islam, and to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Will you agree to that? And he said, But what if Jesus doesn't heal me? Pastor William said, I will... Throw my Bible into the trash can. I will denounce my Christian faith and I will become a Muslim. Oh my God. There is a God that answers by fire. If Baal is God, serve him. If Muhammad is God, serve him. <laughs> my friends in Africa... I asked him one time, I said, aren't you, you know, every morning when we're, we'd be awakened by the call to prayer, and, and uh, I said, doesn't that bother you guys? And they said, what for? People are turning to Jesus left, right, and center. Very few people are turning to Islam. Islam has no power. I said, it's that simple. It's that simple. Well, we don't see that that way in America, do we? May I submit to us this evening, it's because we've lost the power 
of the Holy Spirit. You see, it's not an argument that's going to win a Muslim or, or another person of faith. In fact, I can tell you personally, I've been in the home of many men, great medical experts who are Muslims in their faith. And I've talked to them. And, and these guys, I don't think they're a terrorist. Now, I don't know where they stood on everything, but I'm telling you, they were open to the Word of God. They were open to Jesus. And I had the opportunity to share Christ with them and pray with them. But what's going to change this nation and convince people? Because there is a move of God happening in, in the Islamic world right now. Do you know that? Many Muslims are coming to Jesus. I have a friend who literally lives across the street from me who used to be a Muslim. <laughs> and was, has, and was, is radically serving Jesus now. But you see, it's the God that answers by fire. So Pastor William says, Okay, sir, let me pray for you right now. He puts his hand upon this man and he says, Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, heal this man. The man looks at him and says, Oh, I feel something hot. What is that? It's going through my whole body. What, what is that? What is that? And, and he said, it's, 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 it's touching my, my kidneys. It, it's touching my body and, and I feel this heat. The man was supernaturally and instantaneously healed. He cried out to Jesus Christ. He kept his word. He denounced Islam. He became a follower of Jesus. Not only a follower of Jesus, but he became a pastor and an evangelist. And he's been instrumental in leading thousands to Jesus Christ and planting hundreds of churches in Indonesia. There's a God that answers by fire. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We are the people of the resurrection. And the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. And when you are baptized with the Holy Ghost and power and fire, you will receive power. You will receive perception. You will receive passion. And you will receive purification. Those are the promises and the ministry of the Holy Spirit and how He operates in your life. I want you to stand with me tonight. Would you do that, please? Paul said, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. I was ministering in uh, one of the islands in the Caribbean recently, Trinidad actually, and uh, oh Lord Jesus, Whew, you feel this anointing here tonight? And I'm telling you, there was a young woman again. She was a Muslim, and um, she she had a a little store, kind of a small uh, store. It was like more like a booth that she sold sandwiches at and different things. 
And uh, she was outside, and we had rented a community center, and we were having a miracle crusade. And she came in one night. We talked to her afterwards. We said, "What? why did you come in? And she said, I just felt drawn. I just felt like I needed to come in here. And she walked in. And that night, I mean, this, this building had a concrete floor, okay? These folks, man, they, they, you know, they weren't, as far as I know, they weren't even Pentecostal. They were open to the Holy Spirit. I think they were Baptists. But they asked me to come for some reason. And um, I prayed for her that night. And she fell, I'm telling you, thump on the concrete floor. That was not a courtesy drop. When you fall flat on your back on a concrete floor, the power of God came upon her. For over an hour, she was out. You know what happened? That night she left and her friend had to pick her up and carry her. Even in the car, she was just still just totally under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you that what ended up happening is God did a deep work in her life that night. Touched her, gave her uh, salvation, the greatest gift of all, and just did a powerful work in her life. You see... The kingdom of God is not in word, but it's in power. The gospel is good news of the power and the love of our God that loves every man, every woman on the face of this earth. And he wants to change your life. I want to give you an invitation tonight, very simply. We're going to minister to you if you need healing. We're going to minister to you if you need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit or receive the Holy Ghost. But I want to ask you this tonight. If you have been already blessed, endowed, and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, this is simply a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer this or come forward. But what are you doing with the Holy Spirit that's in you? What are you doing with the Holy Spirit? He gave you the power to be a witness. Not just so you can say, oh, I received the power. To be a witness. What are you doing with the power of the Holy Spirit? If you've not yet received the power of the Holy Spirit and you are a Christian, I want to invite you, even right now, to come and be baptized with the Holy Ghost tonight. First thing that will happen is you'll speak with other tongues. That's an unknown language. That's a gift that God gives to you. The purpose of it is he who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. It builds you up. You see, God wants to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power. But not just power, purity, passion, perception, fire, fire. If you need the fire of God tonight in your life, I want to ask you just to come out of your seat right now. Just come and stand at the front here. Come on, just come and stand at the front. Come and stand at the front right now. Get out of your seat. Come on, right now. I want to ask you just to make a straight line right across the front here so I can be sure to be able to get to you. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you, the power of God is here tonight. Some things are going to break loose. The power of God is here because the Holy Spirit is here. If you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, come on. Come on.